Women have been giving birth for centuries, so it's a pretty natural experience, right? Wrong. I'm Stephanie King, professional doula, childbirth educator, and the creator of the My Essential Birth Course, the online childbirth education course that's helping women everywhere confidently achieve their best birth. Today's culture would have us think that birth should be treated like an illness or an emergency, and that most of us need other people telling us what's best for our bodies because we aren't the experts. So sit tight, because if you're tuning into this podcast, you'll probably start to believe in your body, your intuition, and find yourself empowered and confident to do what it takes to have the birth of your dreams. If you like listening to me take you through these weekly topics step-by-step, then you're going to love the My Essential Birth course. Make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast and definitely head over to myessentialbirth.com for the free downloads mentioned right here in these episodes and to join the birth course and community full of pregnant moms just like you. I have to add a disclaimer that I am not a medical professional and I cannot provide medical advice. All of the information expressed in this podcast are based off of personal, professional, and educational experiences and are my own opinions. Please work with a provider you trust for medical advice during your pregnancy and birth. All right, this week's reviewer of the week is Amy Katie, and she says, so thankful for this podcast. I'm so grateful for this podcast. I work full time and don't always have time to read all the baby books or do all the overwhelming research that new moms are bombarded with. I love popping on this podcast while I'm doing housework, dishes, etc., and listening along. I'm 30 weeks pregnant, and I feel much more prepared to give birth naturally in a hospital setting. I love how this podcast goes over pros and cons of several different scenarios and makes me feel empowered. I feel much much more prepared to give birth knowing me and my baby will work together to achieve a healthy and beautiful birth experience. My husband even listens along during his morning commute. Thank you so much. You are so welcome. Thank you for everyone who is leaving reviews too. I have to tell you that popping it in my ear is my favorite way to listen to podcasts too. And it's while I'm doing the housework, the dishes, just like you. So thanks for listening and thank you for the review. So if you would like to enter this week's giveaway, I want you to head to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Send an email to hello at myessentialbirth.com. Let me know that you've left that review. You can copy and paste it in the email or let me know what your username is. I'll get you entered for that and we'll announce it at the end of the week. So I'm really excited to talk to you guys about this topic this week, and I have a special guest with me here today, and I'll introduce her in just a moment. But this week's topic is all about placenta encapsulation. So I'm excited to talk to you because I have someone very knowledgeable about this here, and she's a very kind woman. Um, Like I said, introduce her in just a moment. But I often get asked about the postpartum stuff. What does this look like for me after I have my baby and I'm moving into that postpartum period? What are some things I can do to make this a better experience? Or maybe I've got some prenatal depression or I know I've had postpartum depression in the past, is placenta encapsulation something for me? So I definitely want to talk about that today. So I'm here with Shannon Shepard and she is a placenta encapsulation expert. And we're gonna dive into what placenta encapsulation is, what the benefits are, who it's for, when, if you're thinking about doing it, you need to consider that and have it ready to go, how to find someone near you and what to do even when dad is not on board with you consuming it or, and I kind of had to laugh at this, or if I'm not, on board with consuming it. So I'm hoping Shannon can answer some of those questions today. So Shannon, will you take a moment and just introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about you personally and about what you do. All right. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me on. I'm Shannon Shepard. I live in Utah and I am a mom of four kids. I'm married to my junior high crush, which is so fun. (laughs) Um, I love to be outside, connect with nature and just have fun with my family. I'm also a doula. So from that, obviously, you know, as a doula, I have a huge passion around 
birth women in their pregnancies and especially postpartum time. That is really the heart of my business, Bloom Placentas, that is the only professional placenta encapsulation company in the entire state of Utah. Not a small feat. No. I love that you mentioned that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Okay, something I wanted to ask you about was what got you into this? Because we were kind of talking before we jumped on here and on got started on this podcast episode about you, you mentioned you had been doing this for seven years. You started a while ago. And I know even when I started julaying around that time, this was like a weird foreign, why are people eating their placentas, yes, right? Yes. And it's really moved into this um, this different space now and, and has become such a benefit for mothers. So tell me a little bit about your passion, how you got into it and how you moved into this professional portion of it. Sure. So I think I get asked that a lot, actually. It's I think when any anyone starts a business, people want to know their story. And mine's a very unique business. So lots of questions. (laughs) I think for me, when I look back throughout my life, there's kind of a path that led me to just really being an advocate and someone who wants to help postpartum women. And I think part of it is my own childhood. My mom really struggled mentally. And I remember my mom talking about the postpartum depression she struggled with after she had my younger sister. And I am someone that's always been curious about birth. I'm guessing you might be too. Like <laughs> as a little girl, right? Your birth and babies and it's just something that... No. You know, no, no you weren't. Yeah, no, okay. it wasn't I, I feel I was like pregnant. a lot of doulas are, yeah. but yeah, okay. I was a little girl that was. Yeah. And so I wasn't scared of having a baby. I wasn't scared of like the birth process. That didn't scare me, but I was really scared of how I would feel after I had a baby. That just my yeah. mom talking about feeling depressed and having this baby to take care of. And I was a toddler when this story had happened, not when she was telling me so much, but my sister and I are only 18 months apart. And I would picture my mom with this postpartum depression and then other mental illness type things she struggled with that was something that I was very aware of that people deal with mental illness. Well, if you fast forward into my life when I had my son who's 18 now, it was kind of inevitable that I, to me, that I was going to struggle with postpartum depression. I didn't have a lot of great support around me. I was young. I just a lot of lifestyle things, a lot of things I could have done. And I was in the depths of postpartum depression for a good year before I got help. And so that I look back on that time of my life. And I think most women will say their times of dealing with postpartum depression are the lowest points of their life or it's a nightmare. I hear those two phrases a lot. That was a nightmare or the lowest point of my life. And I think that's so sad because you have a new baby and you want to enjoy that. And obviously there's an adjustment to babies and all of that. It's a big change, but the depression on top of it, that's a really big deal. So that's really my drive to caring about so much about helping other people. That thought of, I went through this. I don't want anyone else to go through this if I can help. So fast forward to when I became a doula and that's about seven, eight years ago, I got really serious about letting people know about my unmedicated birth experiences and how positive it was and that if I can do it, anyone can do it mm-hmm. type of mentality, right? right. And, and as a doula, people started asking for about placenta encapsulation. They had questions exactly like people ask you. And, and it was at that point, the Kardashian that did it. I don't remember what Kim, Chloe, I don't know. Sorry. Um, That was a thing where it was starting to be talked about. And there were a few other celebrities that came out as having done it. And it was just becoming a thing that I think really women that would partially try anything to feel better or they just would do anything because it was a thing to do. Um, But as my clients wanted it, my first thought was, you want me to what? You want me to help you with what? But pretty quickly, I thought, well, if they're asking for it, as a not only as a doula and you want to help but as a business owner you want if you people are asking you for an add-on service let's figure it out so I started to learn more about it had a really great doula 
walk me through how to do it. And that was really my training at first. Right away, very first client, I couldn't believe the feedback. It was this huge, just eye-opening moment for me that this was real. This really helped people. And then that was the first one that could have been a flute, right? Well, the next one, amazing. My third client was my sister who I knew her whole story. This was her fifth baby, night and day difference. And it just, from that point, I really believed in this. But then I had this part of the process for people wanting to do it where their husband would have an issue with it or their (laughs) provider would have an issue with it or maybe their mom would have an issue with it. So they'd be all excited when I would talk to them about it and the potential benefits. And then someone would talk him out of it. So right away, very quickly, I realized this needed to be done professionally. This needed to be done with certified, trained professionals in a sterile environment as a business, not just something I do in my own kitchen, which like I was saying earlier when we were chatting, there's a place for that. There's people that want that and they're fine with that. That's not the majority. The people that are doing it now that are the more mainstream moms are people that want it done the way I'm doing it. And it's such a reward reward because mission accomplished. I'm being yeah. a, I'm able to help more people because more people are willing to do it. And I have medical providers and husbands or whoever that are saying, well, if we're going to do it, let's make sure it's done right. Let's make sure yeah. it's done safely and professionally. So there you go. I love that. I have to say, and I didn't know your backstory. I have to say, listening to you, um, knowing that your, your mom was willing to talk to you about that mm-hmm. and have that conversation, how huge that is yeah. in the first place. Because I think, I, I mean, myself, my experience includes those stories weren't told you know a lot of the time we don't hear that information it's just mothering is hard or we have a new baby and it sucks for a while or however that looks but for myself I didn't realize it's funny coming back to this I didn't realize I was suffering from postpartum depression until after I had my third baby and I was teaching classes birth classes in my home and I had somebody come in and talk about postpartum depression and she started listing all of the things that were that mean you probably have this or you you know and it's mood disorders right because it's not just depression and there can be anger involved or other right, things. rage and, and OCD and OCD yeah. and and so I'm listening to this and I'm just sitting there like sinking back into myself oh my looking at all of my students trying not to like just ball I'm getting thinking, chills just yes, picturing this like, yeah, I'm so and I'm sorry. yes so like you know six years later because I've had my kids two years apart mm-hmm. and I'm you know still nursing and I am just sitting there like this is this is a problem for me and that ended up being my last child we had tried we tried again for four and a half years different story backstory for a different time didn't have any more but placenta encapsulation was on my radar from that point and it's funny that you talk about husbands too because my husband was like if you do that I don't know that I can kiss you anymore right <laughs> like, it's like this, we, this might be a deal breaker for yeah. me but I just wanted to say that I love the fact that your mom talked about it holy mm-hmm. cow can we please as women like have this conversation oh, with gosh. each other so it's normal so that so that a mom can ask somebody about placenta encapsulation or I'm having this depressive problem this doesn't feel right help me um, I think a lot of the times and I'm going off on a tangent here but I think a lot of the times like as women we go back to our providers specifically for me, I can relate to that back to a hospital provider and they hand you that Edinburgh form or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm not going to answer these honestly in front of this yeah, person. Yeah, to tell that you I, I feel like don't harming have a relationship or my baby. Or my baby. Yeah. 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 And and so you kind of walk out of there like, yeah, I do feel some of those things, not going to say it. And that's the last of that conversation versus being able to open up to somebody and have who has knowledge and information and possibly a solution for you to be able to walk into postpartum a little healthier. So mm-hmm. I love that you shared that. So I had to kind of laugh when I was like making this outline and I'm like, what do we know about placenta and placenta encapsulation, right? Well, like if we're going towards like the animal side of things, like when animals have their babies, what do they do? They eat their placentas. And so it's kind of funny. I was like, well, does that mean 
mean that we really should be eating our placentas? Like, do you have any relationship between those two things of like, we know animals do this and this is the result. We know women do this and this is the result. Something that's really interesting and there are studies and research around why do almost all mammals consume their placenta instinctually? Why is that? We don't, we can't ask them. Like, I wish they would just tell us. (laughs) But they do instinctually. and, And I think there's a few, well, not think, there are a few theories out there. And I think a lot of it's pretty well backed that there is one thing about it that most mammals are feeding a litter more than one baby, right? And the milk production Mm -hmm. needs to be there more. Another thing that placenta can do, we know this, maybe you know this, if a mom is hemorrhaging, Mm -hmm. they can put a piece of placenta in her cheek and it stops the hemorrhaging. Mammals, when they give birth in the wild, a mammal hemorrhaging to death is very unlikely. Mm -hmm. How often do you hear about hemorrhaging in the hospital, right? right? So eating that instinctually really helps them with that normal bleeding. It's normal to bleed when you have a baby, right? But you can bleed an excessive amount and that's a problem, right? Um, Another thing some research that's been done out of a university in New York, there's a neuroscientist that studied the effects of placenta on the mammal brain and watching the bonding that happens with mammals. So some of this research, it's actually my favorite placenta research. I love it so much, but he gave this species of rats that don't normally instinctually go to the babies after they're born. Even the moms don't. He fed them actually human placenta, but just figuring there'd be similar hormones and nutrients. Those, the rats, the mom rats that were fed the placenta went quicker to their young to nurture them. He gave it to the dad rats who never would nurture and they went and even siblings from other litters like the older big sisters rats right went and nurtured and so there's a lot so of you're things saying everyone should consume the mom's placenta I'm just well kidding. yeah i don't know maybe yeah um maybe but i don't just know just kidding yeah, yeah. Keep, and, keep and, yeah so i there's a lot about it that we can learn from mammals yeah. but i I believe in some of the research, there's an anthropologist at Oregon State University that has done a lot of study about this. And, and there's a lot of belief that it's our human brain that makes it, it's just gross, right? You just, I mean, why do our five-year-olds not want broccoli? Like they, their brain thinks it's gross. <laughs> I don't know, anyway, the, um, but so there's a lot of interesting things about that. And I think to think about that and just the nature, the instinct, it kind of makes sense to get it back in our body postpartum. Yeah, sorry. No, I had, it, I had more about that, flows. but I wasn't <laughs> sure if it'd come to a more more of a question. Like I was just thinking about what else did you why have all? I can make a question. So the the idea of eating it raw like a mammal would versus I think it's on your yeah, list it like is. to be encapsulating. That's like the least gross way. Like that was more what I. But I didn't want to jump ahead. Right. So anyway, okay. no, that's fine. Okay, all right. So can you tell us a little bit about what that process looks like? So a mom has baby. Then what happens? <laughs> so typically our clients are having the baby in the hospital but Mm -hmm. we do a lot of birth center and home birth clients as well. So mom has a baby, she's saving the placenta. You always want to say that in advance. So if you're going to the hospital to have a baby, you're going to let them know when you get there, you want to keep the placenta. So placenta needs to be kept cold, obviously. So within two hours of the birth, we want the placenta to be in the fridge or on ice. And then if you're working with bloom, and I would think it's really similar with any encapsulation specialist they would all have a process of how you contact them and let them know we pick it up so i'll i'll speak for bloom's process we'd be bringing it back to our professional kitchen that is just for placenta encapsulation at that point we're cleaning the placenta if there was any meconium we have a vinegar wash that would clean any of that off um, and just make it so it's 
ready to steam. After steaming, that's when we dehydrate it. Um, dehydrates for 10 to 12 hours, and then we grind that into a fine powder, and that goes into gel caps. And the mom has this little jar of pills. So, so the idea when we talked earlier about the mammals eating it, and that just sounds gross. <laughs> um, to most people, right. some people are fine with it, and great. Most people don't feel that it's just fine. You're just getting this jar of pills. It's like taking a vitamin. Yeah. Do you, I'm curious because I have had, I actually have had a couple clients where they chose to keep it and they did a couple different things with it. Mm -hmm. One, they would chop it up and put it into little bits in the freezer and they'd use it in smoothies. Um, I had a woman who actually fried it, which that is not on my comfort zone for myself, but it worked for her. Um, But I'm curious because I, what I like about the idea of dehydrating it and having the capsules is the amount of time that you're able to use it. So when you're talking about mammals and they eat the whole placenta right there, is there a difference between eating a ton of it or having a ton of it right away versus using it over time? Um, And then I think too, do you also, you also give a tincture or is that something that Bloom Placenta does? Because I've also seen that done where they encapsulate everything, but then they also take a chunk and put it in some alcohol and create a tincture so that when the... um, the pills are out, the tincture is done, and they can use that as well. Yes. So first thing, having it in the most raw form obviously would have the highest potency, mm-hmm. right? That would make perfect sense. So what was your first question? I'm so I sorry. Remember. Oh, it. So I'm so long sorry. Ago. I asked too many. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just trying to... <laughs> Go back now. I think I was asking, I'm sorry. I think I was asking, so like when an animal, yeah, they eat it all. So is there a difference between like, like why don't we consume it all at once? Like, okay, why why do you do that versus the pills? So having it less potent in the pills, that's obviously a real thing. The stir fry, the lasagna, there's recipes on the internet. A lot of people cook it that way as well. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. And (laughs) that doesn't sound good to me. And most people say that, like probably 99.9% percent of people. But but what they found in where I'm trained through, that is where my dosage guidelines came from. And this is where research based of what has been the most positive result for women to feel their best over the course of that whole entire year of postpartum. And that would be taking it gradually. Taking, we start out with three pills three times a day for the first week, and then we taper that down to two, three times a day for the next week, and then one, three times a day until they're gone. If you took them that way, an average placenta would have you taking capsules for about a month. Most women, when they take all of that in that amount of time spread out that way. Most of them are really supported throughout that postpartum time and they're feeling pretty good. Not to say you wouldn't have any bad days or anything. Some women take them and feel like that they don't need as many. So they want to drag it out. Some feel like maybe I want to have a six month supply. So I'm just going to take one a day or whatever. And that I feel like that's what we're often trying to teach our clients or Mm -hmm. just suggest to them to kind of tune into your own body and what's right for you. For me, I only encapsulated with one of my babies and that's how I did it and it really was good for me. But with the tincture, that's where we take a piece of the placenta and put it in alcohol. That alcohol will draw the nutrients out of the placenta. And after four weeks, you have this potent liquid that gives the same potential benefits as the placenta pills. So that's really good for someone that maybe wants to get that whole dose up front in the month time. And then you're going to have rough days because you're going to have a teething baby that's not sleeping or you're going to have overwhelmed because your toddler's ruining things while you're nursing the baby, right? (laughs) Right. All those different things that you're going to deal with. And I've 
I've just seen really cool things with the tincture. I really love that. I know this isn't what you asked exactly, but no, that's great. Um, but I've seen women, even one I can think of that's three years postpartum that told me recently she was super high anxiety. Her husband had been deployed and she mm-hmm. was just dealing with a lot of stress and several little kids all dealing with different sicknesses at the same time at home. And she said she went to her cupboard just looking for something that might ease her, you know, just something yeah. like a supplement or something, a, an essential oil. And she saw her tincture and she put a few drops in a glass of water and she said that she just felt it melt away and I've heard a lot of stories like that and I have them myself because I have a tincture from mine but so tinctures are cool you can use a tincture from your childbearing years during menopause and it can help with symptoms of menopause as well it's good that long as long as it's made correctly so 190 proof alcohol we use a hundred we use 190 proof corn alcohol it's like a higher quality it's all organic but if you used at least a hundred proof alcohol to make it is good that long so that's crazy and so it sounds like it, you also feel those effects really quickly. It's not something that has to build up, or is it both? With the tincture, or or with the pills? Well, Do I've, they work differently? I've heard. No, I think it's similar. I just. Okay. Um, I've heard. I've had women tell me they felt instantly better with wow. taking their pills, and wow. some that maybe they forget when they first have them, and they're you know, especially I feel like NICU moms or babies de- moms mm-hmm. dealing with a lot of things, and they're maybe not taking their pills consistently, and they'll feel really high stress, high anxiety, and they'll remember to take them and they'll just feel better right away so it can that's work so pretty quick I, it makes me curious because if if you are somebody that's dealing with postpartum depression and you do end up feeling like you need something more like medication that's one of the tricky things about it is the majority of the medications take time to build up mm-hmm. so you're not seeing results or any kind of changes for three to six weeks and for a mother who's finally reached the point where she's desperate enough to ask for help that feels like a long time yeah so it's nice to have something that's fast yeah and can like take that. the edge off and yeah uh, you've kind of gone over it already um i'm curious um the study that you had talked about or the research that you had talked about am I able to grab a link for that yeah I would love to put it in the show notes sure for everyone to take a look at yep. that's awesome and then you talked about your personal experience and mothers that you've worked with where um, it sounds like postpartum depression either existed before or maybe they had prenatal depression and that this was an actual um, noticeable benefit for them so that's really awesome too I think something that we get asked a lot is who should this be done for and so if you're somebody like myself with my first baby I, I mean I didn't even this is gonna sound so mean. I did not really believe that like depression was the thing. Okay, I had a I've sister- I've heard that a lot, who, so that's not okay, mean. That's, I think that's <laughs> pretty sorry. normal. No, if you haven't gone through it or- Yeah, you're like, yeah. come on, like yeah. get get up off yeah. the floor. Let's yeah. stop pretending. And I had a sister, um, you know, that dealt with some stuff or like my mom, anyway. So I, I'm like, okay, yeah, people say it's real, but it wasn't until I got pregnant and I had prenatal depression, which I didn't realize that that was a thing because nobody said that word to me. Um, and when I talked to my doctors, it was like, well, do you want medication? I'm like, no, but I'm telling you, I am not this sad normally and I'm crying for no reason. And it's not like I saw a Hallmark commercial, you know, it was like, mm-hmm. I can't function today. And um, anyways, so again, six years later, didn't realize what was going on. But are there women that you're like, say I didn't have prenatal depression. Would I, how would I have known never having depression before to even consider that? And because I'd be afraid that if someone doesn't know and then they have their baby and you get rid of the placenta, well, that chance is gone. So yeah. who, who do we talk to about this or what are your recommendations? So yeah, there's a few things there. I I get a lot of people that hire me based on experiences they've 
observed or been told about from people around them. A lot of women who maybe it, they're like, they have older sisters or sister-in-laws yeah. or friends. Good, that means we're talking about it. Yep, Good. yes, I love it, I yeah. love it. And I that is really common when I have first-time moms. A lot of them are just those moms you meet that they just want to do everything. They're going to take all the classes and they just want to be totally right. ready and they're just, you know, really on top of things. And placenta encapsulation is just something they read about in a book or they saw it on Instagram or something, right? And so right. they want to do it. But it is the ma- vast majority of first-time moms that do it are people that know there's a risk. And yeah. they say 50, you're 50% more likely to struggle with a postpartum mood and anxiety disorder if you do for you're pregnant, right? So yeah. a lot of people know that and they're, you know, they're scared of postpartum depression and those things. And so that's the first thing is just people will do it preventatively because they're just worried about it. Very commonly, I have women who knew about it during their first pregnancy, but thought it was weird. (laughs) <laughs> couldn't see themselves eating their placenta. Yes. This wasn't for me. I've never dealt with depression, all the things, right? Right. And I have, I can think of right off the top of my head, 10 different clients in the seven years I've been doing this that I've done their third and fourth placentas. I didn't do their first because wow. their first, they really struggled postpartum. So then, and they are women that I know personally that know what I do. I plant the seed, but I don't push it. Like, yeah. I just want you to know, but I'm not going to bug you about it. Right? right. And then they're back with their second and third and fourth because they really struggled with the first. So so that's something and that to me is really sad because it's like I wish you didn't have to deal with that with the first, but thank goodness it was better. Right. But the main thing I tell people, not everyone is for this, but I see it pretty often is you can freeze your placenta for up to six months. I get clients at least one a week that someone that is two to three months postpartum that they had kept their placenta just in case and then they've realized they needed it and I have one in particular I'm thinking about right now that's so (laughs) awesome her husband was recognizing it in her she was about three months postpartum he didn't want her to encapsulate to begin with she really wanted to so she convinced him on this middle ground they were just gonna put it in bags (laughs) triple bag it and put it in the deep freezer and then he said you should call Shannon and have her encapsulate your placenta and now they're going to have another baby soon and it was just a brainer this time, right? So that's the things I would say, I believe, obviously I own a professional placenta encapsulation company. Obviously I just think I've seen miracles. I believe miracles in women that have felt so much better because of it. And so first thing, let's just do it. Next, if there's hesitation, if you're just want to wait and see, just save it. I like that. And that that would be like my big like caveat is like everybody just save it. What's the harm? Take it home. It's yours. Plant it under a tree or something if you decide not to use it. Right. But, but why not have it there? in case you end up needing it. And I love that the dad caught it too. Because yeah. that's a big, love big that. thing. Yeah. Like we were like, put this stuff on the fridge after you have your baby. Mm-hmm. So for dad, not for yeah. you, because dad's going to start recognizing, oh, I didn't realize, you know, I noticed these changes in her, but she's a new mom too. And But you start realizing some of those signs and you can reach out or do what you need to to get her help. So that's really good. Um, I'm curious, and I know others are going to want to know, is there a time when you cannot encapsulate or keep a placenta? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that a lot. So <laughs> the most common reasons, what our answer is, if there's any sign of infection at the birth, it's never okay to encapsulate. That's where when we talk about group B strep being a problem, there's some weird rumors about that. It's really exaggerated. No baby ever died because of the mom had group B strep. If you've, ever, if you've ever heard that rumor, not because the mom had group B strep, but because the mom had placenta encapsulation and group B strep. But okay. um, so any sign of infection, not okay. If the placenta wasn't stored correctly. So we have some guidelines for that, which is within two hours, it needs to be on ice. Within 24 hours of the birth, it needs to be in the fridge. Within three days of the birth, it needs to be in the freezer. And then it's good for up to six months. If those weren't followed, that means the placenta wasn't kept at the correct temperature and it's spoiled. 
So okay. obviously you wouldn't sit your deli meat out on the counter or your right. raw chicken for a day and then try to cook it. So that's the other thing. Another issue could be if the placenta had to go to pathology for any reason. At that point, it wouldn't have been kept at the correct temperature. And we also don't know what kind of chemicals and different things it would have come in contact with, chemicals that most likely aren't safe to consume and it just wouldn't be clean anymore. So when those scenarios come up, if you have a some valid reason the placenta needs to go to pathology, that's when we recommend asking them to just take a small piece of it and then you would store the rest until we know the placenta is okay. Um, otherwise, I mean, that's really the only things we ever see and those are really rare. That's okay. almost never happens. So. so I'm curious then, as a mom, a birthing mom, are there things that you require or recommend that they have with them in order to take the placenta home or keep it on ice or keep it at the temperature you need? Yeah, yeah, good question. So at this point, we recommend taking a cooler to the hospital. Um, that way, when they, in the hospital, they'll put your placenta in a bag or a container for you. That can go right in your cooler in your room. And if you bring a few gallon size Ziploc bags, your husband, your nurse, your doula, someone can get ice from the refreshment station at the hospital that can go right into the cooler. That's the easiest thing. At Bloom, starting next week, we actually are going to start sending out packets. It's a oh, little yay. placenta storage. Actually, I brought you one. Oh, yay! <laughs> it's How these cute. little coolers. Let me that, see that. Yeah. And it will have bags and everything in it that you can just store your placenta right in that. Um, here, I'll so, hold it up for those of you listening. You can't see it. <laughs> but go on our Instagram. I did a post about it oh, just the cute. other day. So, so we're really excited about that. But the goal with this will be something you can just put in your birth bag that will have so instructions. Smart. It'll have ice bags. It'll even have specimen bags that the placenta can go into because sometimes they put your placenta in a bigger container that wouldn't fit in there. So that's, you really, it is helpful to have that. At the same time, we see moms all the time who either forgot the cooler or decided last minute to encapsulate. Your hospital staff, they'll be so helpful. I've seen this oh, many times where they still put the placenta in a bag or a container for you and then they have those little plastic basins, they fill mm. them with ice, they put your placenta in. In awesome. Utah, certain hospitals even have a designated placenta fridge and they How keep it in there. Yeah, so that's really cool too. So there are definitely that's options. So cool. as just make sure it's on ice and that I feel like every nurse that would be in a birth situation would know what to do. And then if you're at home or the birth center, they just double bag it and typically put it in their fridge or freezer, so. Okay, I have to say, so Utah is very birth friendly. And so this is what you're seeing in Utah. I'm sure that you have conversations with people that are not in Utah. Are you seeing this nationwide, that this is much more common, that nurses know what to do, like you said? Is this like a very kind of blanket statement now? Or, or I what do you think? I think so. <laughs> I, okay. I follow and work with and bounce ideas off with and send referrals back and forth to a lot of the bigger encapsulation companies in Utah that do okay. it kind of the same way I do where it's more professional yeah. and I feel like it's pretty similar um, but it is I mean even in Utah and I we serve the whole state of Utah so we interact with pretty much every hospital we do see times where maybe a nurse is a little different or a process is a little different sure. that particular time but in general you legally own your placenta so right. every hospital should have a process for keeping it Whatever oh, do you have to, is. I think, I, I, help me if I'm wrong. Is there a form that you have to like fill out? Maybe they would get that through you. Is that correct? Like some kind a of release form. A release yeah. form. Okay. Certain hospitals require it. So okay, in Utah, we have a few. Yeah. Okay. Some do, some don't. Usually it's just the mom signing over any liability of keeping an organ. And okay. then there, some of the hospitals, they're signing it over to us. 
that's something it's not a big deal either way it's nothing that needs to be done in advance and if they're requiring it for you even your husband can typically sign it has been my experience so yeah okay I did want to ask this because you brought it up that you're a professional um, encapsulation specialist that you've got a very specific way of doing it and certifications and all kinds of those kinds of things behind it so will you talk to us a little bit about the difference between um, what someone like yourself would do versus having just anyone do it um, and why the difference is there and it's important and I don't want to judge people who don't do it sure. my way <laughs> of course but I this is just my belief so so a lot of what I see the difference in the way we do it in other places is starts with our training so we are trained through APA which is really the most comprehensive training in this industry they're really I think there's one other person in Utah that moved here that had done it before but as of right now we're really the only APA certified in Utah. So that training really taught us a lot about these safe temperatures that I'm talking about, the personal protection equipment that we wear for you and us. So, um, you know, gloves, isolation gowns, things like that. Um, Our sanitation process is we not only use equipment that has to be sanitizable, you can't just buy any knife, any um, pot, anything like that. There's certain ones that are actually sanitizable. So everything you'd have from us is fully sanitizable and we're working working in an environment that is fully sanitizable. We even have medical grade flooring, everything stainless steel. Oh my goodness. We use <laughs> a lot of bleach because that's what's going to kill bloodborne pathogens. Um, everything we do is meant to be no cross contamination. We have three stations in our kitchen, so everything is separated. We have a labeling process to never worry about anything any mix-ups and I know for a fact that not everyone is that way you know yeah um so just that's really the difference of what we're trying to do is just run this like a professional business and the safest integrity with how we're handling sanitation and your placenta and all of that so and I think I mean you do have people that encapsulate for they're just doing it to be nice for their friends. And I, and I know I've been that person and I've had conversations with those people. And I know the science behind the temperatures and how to how mm. long to steam a placenta, how long to dehydrate it, the temperatures you need to do those things on. You need to know that. You need to actually yeah. be trained in all of those things. So that's where we did this very comprehensive. When I say we, me and my other encapsulator did the very comprehensive training to understand. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, I'm curious and I know other people will be too then. How do you find someone like yourself so with APA they have a directory so and is APA APA APPA so Association of Placenta Preparation Arts so you can find like on their directory that would be for me if I was obviously recommending anyone that would be the training that I would want to find someone certified through so that would really be a good place to start and then if you don't find anyone in the directory or that's daunting to you they people reach out to me through our instagram or facebook all the time and i can help connect and i think throughout the country i know quite a few that are like good professional and then the other thing i know people are going to want to know is what is the cost what is something like this going to cost me so if you were talking to bloom doing it about 250 dollars would be the start for the pickup the processing and returning the placenta um, that can go up in where we're at based on our travel costs because being the only professionals in utah we do travel we try to keep those costs minimal for our clients but obviously we have to charge something for time and gas and everything 
Um, So across the country, I think you would see it. We're pretty average. So 250 to 400 is pretty average. Yeah. um, Depending on where you're at. When I'd say, especially if you're someone that knows you're you're gonna need something like this, I mean mm-hmm. that's nothing. Yeah, compared I'm to glad you asked that. Counseling because, and medical. Yeah. And sorry, go ahead. No, yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no. no, I was just that's such a great question because I there's a lot of jaw dropping when I say two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. Because it's nothing compared yeah. to what it can do for moms. And I'm not saying it solves every problem, but sure. it does it has and does for a lot of people. Not every problem, but it just makes everything so much better and I there's plenty of people that I've talked to over the years that didn't even reach out because they felt like it was going to be a couple thousand dollars or even a thousand dollars right I've heard that a lot and it's 250 dollars and we're even in our professional space with our training and everything we do we're pretty comparable to some of the less experienced people doing it right and I've that's something I've really tried to make sure obviously I have a business to run so I need to pay for things but yeah but it's not this I'm not going it's not for out a of reach. gold mine yeah right. I want it to be you can budget that you can you come can up totally that, right? budget that yeah well even you know as a doula you know if someone and I know for me that was on the top of my list mm-hmm. you know with that third baby I was having my baby at home and I'm like I know I need the support I think it's when you put priority on something oh yeah suddenly you can figure out how to make it work yep and I would say even for those mothers who cannot find a place for it financially um, we had brought up other options okay maybe you can't find a place financially right now go ahead and freeze it or maybe you can you know take a couple in a smoothie to begin with a couple of chunks in a smoothie and then move into okay I know I asked for this and this for my baby shower but this is where I'm needing support right now I think of once I realized what was going on just the co-payments for the counseling or for the doctor's visits or for trying to figure out how to, you know, manage life with children and all of that, I spent at least that, you yeah. know? And I yeah. wonder if, you know, if I had this tool, maybe I, I wouldn't even have had to do some of those things. So yeah. I think it's such a benefit. And I think for the cost of it, the benefits super outweigh like any of the cost, Yeah, my personal opinion. Yeah, but. and I'll, I'll totally put this out there on your podcast. I've never turned a mom down because of money, like mm. ever. I get choked up just thinking about it because this is like, I don't even want to hear a mom freezing it because they're waiting to have the money. No, we'll do it for you, right? And I, we do payment plans. We do take HSA cards. A lot of the oh, encapsulation companies do, but yeah, it's it's so not about the money like yeah. that. So if anyone listening that's you know here in Utah, if that's like, I mean, message me on Instagram and we'll chat because I am such a believer in I don't know, pay it forward, right? And right. so yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. Um, I think. Okay, this was kind of a funny question because it's just my personality to throw this out there. And I had to think about my husband too, but like, what if dad is not on board? And I, I mean, yes, serious, but also funny. Like some guys are like, you're going to do what now? Yeah. You know, right? Yep. <laughs> so I don't know if you've been on my website very much, but there's a video on there. It's an anim- one of those uh, animated. Yeah. So okay. it is a dad's perspective of. I love it. <laughs> so we have some friends. My husband, and I have these good friends that she really wanted to do it. And we, she owns a business that my family utilize and we were going to trade it and trade encapsulation and the baby came and no one contacted me and I was so confused and then she told us later that her husband who's one of my husband's really good friends put his foot down he was not going to let her do it and yeah I was shocked and because I knew this was her I don't remember how many babies she'd had but it wasn't her first and she'd struggled and she knew it was going to help her and so I got so mad I said we're going to make a video <laughs> that's the dad's perspective and it's actually my husband's voice and I had a friend from oh, high school it. write a script and we went to a recording studio and did this whole thing and um but that's so it's it's funny but then it's it's really sad because I there's a lot of conversations I have repetitively 
and this is one of them, where somebody knew it was going to help them, or they were sure, they felt like it was going to help them, and somebody talked them out of it, and they regret it. And I've had husbands tell me how bad they feel that they didn't just sit back and let it happen, right? And let their wives do it. And I think that it's, there's a few things here. Cause I guess in my marriage, I'm kind of the bossy. Yeah, I was going to say, like, wait a sec. <laughs> but, and my husband's so awesome. We're really a, a good team, but he is not one that would say, no, you don't trust. You don't know your own body. You don't, you can't right. do something like that you can't take these capsules that you think are going to help you. Right. That's my relationship. That's not everyone. Apparently I've learned that. And I know that. Right. And so that's, interesting to me that even first of all that that's the the game here that like he can say that but I'm trying to I'm not judging that because that's your relationship but the biggest thing to me truly is you know when you're dealing with depression if you're not even this postpartum depression scenario that can go on for months and years yeah that can be so crippling even just if you're having a bad day it's like in your cycle, your time where you're feeling low or whatever, right. you know how that affects your family. That affects your husband. You know, maybe dinner's not on the table. The kids are running around crazy or the house is a mess or you're stressed out. How does that affect him? Like maybe I have postpartum right now. <laughs> right, r- really. Like how does that, you know? And yeah. so I, that's what I think when I hear that my husband doesn't want me to do it. Or how can I convince my husband? I just think, oh my gosh, like this is, <laughs> and this is the end of the video actually. When mom's happy, everybody's happy, right? Yeah. Or some, I can't remember the tagline. So smart. But it's like, so true. yes, that is, yeah. your moms are the core of the family. I think, I know it's that way in my family when I'm not doing great, if I'm not feeling well when I had COVID a month or so ago. Right. But I got out of my quarantine in the basement and I was just like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it was kind of cast and my husband was doing his best right and so I think that that's really for a a husband to see it's probably going to help you out if she's feeling better and can we do anything possible to prevent moms having this hard phase after having a baby right and if this is it and it's $250 and it's she's taking a capsule that you know but here's what I think is funny I have a chiropractor friend whose wife told me when they were in school the husbands the chiropractor students would take their wives placenta pills to ease their own test anxiety so for real yeah for real that's amazing I think there's in my business we're really just encapsulating the mom's placenta for the mom but yeah there are stories like that so interesting so I think yeah but really I think it comes down to and you know I, I can even backtrack here and think Let's respect where he's coming from and really have a adult conversation about it. Come to the table. That's with, what's coming you know, to me right yeah, now. Because absolutely. I think you're talking to the right audience. This is mm-hmm. a conversation I feel like I have with a lot of moms who join the birth course and yeah. they come in and they're like, well, guess guess which husband was like, hey, sweetie, let's go sign up for the birth course. You mm-hmm. know, none of them. Yeah. None of yeah. them. It's the moms doing the research, knowing what's going to work for their body and dragging dad along. Right. Yep. So even I think of my husband and the conversation we had and he's like, I don't know them and be able to kiss you, you know, yeah. if you do something like that. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. You know? You're like, so, I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm going to want right. to kiss you more. Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, yeah. and those are maybe the tools I needed to yeah. use. But yeah. I think of that and it's just like, yeah, communication is key, right? Like for the rest of our marriage. And I think pregnancy probably really heightens some of that or like brings everything to the surface that's going on. And so mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we talk about that a lot on the podcast, but in the birth course and like, if you guys can't communicate now, what's this going to look like? And then imagine if you're going through postpartum too, it's going to be even that much more of a stressor. So it's like you said, why not do all of these preventative things that we can to make the entire experience good for everybody. Yeah. So I love that you shared that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And I think just making sure we know 
when our husbands are hesitant about things, what is it that you're worried about? Right. Is it you just think it's gross or are you like money is stressful for people when they're having babies and at that age where you're young and, you know, and or is it, I don't know. Yeah. So talk about it. Talk about it. Let him (laughs) list out his pros and cons. And if all he says is it's gross, that's not a reason. Right. 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 Because men have their list of gross. Yeah. Yeah. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell us, I have really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for all the knowledge, all the information. I have to tell you, I think what I'm going to do for this episode for everyone listening is I'm going to do a giveaway and I want to send this to someone because this is just the neatest thing. So, so what is this again? And I'm, I want to be able to give that away to one of our listeners. So this right here would just be a lunch box with Bloom Placenta's logo on it. But what it would be if it had everything in it would be um, a placenta storage kit. So you would take it to the hospital and put... I feel like I have a new list for the birth packing. Yeah. List. Yeah. Take so. your placenta storage kit. And if that means you're not working with Bloom and you're doing your own thing, that's great. But this is really the idea is we don't want you to have to have this bulky cooler. Right. Like they take the big styrofoam coolers that we have these eight by eight by eight plastic coolers. We want you to have this convenient little packet that you can put in that you will even have our contact info with it and everything. So I love that. Yeah. Okay. So before we leave, I definitely want to take a moment and allow you to tell everyone where they can find you, where that is like your website, your contact information, social media, tell us where to find you. Yes. So everything is bloom placentas. So bloomplacentas.com and we're at bloom placentas on Instagram and on Facebook. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. That's it for this week, but make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get notifications first as I drop new episode every week. And don't forget to head over to myessentialbirth.com for all of the free downloads mentioned here and to join the birth course and community serving pregnant moms just like you. If you enjoyed this and other episodes, I would love it if you would take a few minutes to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one and include one at the beginning of each episode. See you next week.